Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. of the Holy Ghost that we felt throughout this day. And uh, I don't believe that the Lord is through or finished just yet. If you have your Bibles and would go with me into the Word of the Lord to Exodus, I want to read several uh, different verses there. First of all, in chapter 15, the book of Exodus, verses 22 through 25, and then verse 27. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them. And then in verse 27, And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Chapter 16, verses 3 through 5, there it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, and we did eat bread to the fool. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go, shall go out and gather certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And we'll go on to chapter 19. Chapter 19. Verses 20 through 25. And the Lord came down on, upon the Mount Sinai on the top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount and Moses went up and the Lord said unto Moses go down charge the people lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish and let the priest also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves lest they break forth upon unless the Lord break forth upon them and Moses said unto the Lord the people cannot Come up to the to Mount Sinai, for the, thou chargest us, saying, Set the bounds about the mount, and sanctify it. 
And the Lord said unto them, Away, get thee down, thou shalt come up, thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. Then it says in verse 20 of, or chapter 20 and verse 20, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove. Notice this is a common theme of the passages that I've read. To prove you that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. I simply want to use as a subject title tonight, uh, Prove It. Prove It. Amen. Several times in this it talks about these people being proved. There are certain things that God wants us to prove. Uh, I know that God knows our heart. I know that God knows He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what the future holds. But many times, even to ourselves, and being tested in our faith or what have you, we have to prove. It gives us that confidence. And the God, God allows those things to happen to give us that faith and confidence and for our faith to grow stronger. Prove it. Amen. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's pray together right now that he would help us and bless us in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we're asking you, God, to move and to have your way in the remainder of this service tonight. Speak from your word to the hearts and lives of people that are here. We thank you so much for your blessings, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is already anointed. I pray that you would anoint your servant tonight, anoint these good people as they hear the word of the Lord go forth, that we can mix our faith with the word of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And let's give some praise unto the Lord right now. Oh, come on. God has been good to us. Let's give some real praise unto the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As I was preparing for this message tonight, and I began to consider the miracles of the Word of God, began to think about all of the supernatural things that you can read about in Scripture that the Lord accomplished for His people. You know, one doesn't have to go to the New Testament to find great and mighty miracles to read about in the Word of God. In fact, all the way back at the beginning, right here in the book of Exodus, almost at the beginning of your Bible, you can find some of the greatest exploits, greatest miracles. I mean, when I consider this deliverance from Egypt, and really if you had to pick one word to be the common thread throughout Scripture or uh, to be the theme of the Word of God, it would be the word deliverance. This is a book of deliverance. God is always bringing people out, bringing them out and bringing them into greater promises, developing them, maturing them, growing us not only as a body, not only as a church, but also 
growing us as individuals to learn how to better trust Him, live for Him, and be what He wants us to be. We're not any of us perfect, but we are striving for perfection. As Paul said, we're pressing towards that mark of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. And even he said, I haven't obtained that yet, but I am pressing for it. I'm striving. I'm not stopping. And it doesn't matter how long we live for God, we're always pressing for those things. We're always pushing to become a little bit better for God. Because we understand that when we become stagnant, when we are stalled out in our growth, uh, when we fail to grow in our relationship with God, then that is detrimental. And that's when the enemy comes in and endeavors to destroy. That's when he can plant seeds of, of doubt and unbelief. That's when he can come in and, and bring division between us and God is when we're not growing in our relationship with the Lord. We've got to do everything we can possibly do in these last days to stay close to God. We understand that we're living in treacherous times. We understand that these are days like we've never seen before. Nobody has uh, a handbook to go by and say, well, back in, in recent times this happened. You can look in history and you can find it. Uh, I, I've studied history over the last few years intently. And I can tell you that no time in history have we lived in a period that matches this one. But at the same time, one thing we can learn from history is that in every crisis, in every situation where there is challenge, there's always opportunity that is presented to people during those times. And I think the church is set for the greatest opportunities that it's ever seen or witnessed in its entirety as far as the past is concerned. I believe that we can see greater things today and in the future if we'll trust God and believe Him and have the poise to step into what God is giving us with faith. Praise the Lord. And so when we think about miracles, certainly we consider this deliverance out of Egypt. And there's so much typology here. And this is really setting the stage for us to understand through types and shadows the redemption that the Lord is going to give to us when we become a part of His church. He's bringing these people out of Egypt where they have been in cruel bondage for over 400 years. Now we realize that for that entire time it was not as unpleasant as it was towards the end where they were being ruled with rigor but isn't that a perfect picture in itself of just how sin works in a person's life? It can be so attractive. They went there uh, under the leadership of Joseph because this was a land that had things that they were hungry for and uh, it would sustain them. And so the appeal was to move to Egypt. Of course, they were never really to become integrated with Egypt. They were always a bit different from those that they lived with and lived beside. Uh, they were living in Egypt, but they were not uh, a nation that would ever become or was ever intended to become intermingled with Egypt, just like you and I are in the world, but we're not to become a part of the world. We're citizens of another country. We're sojourners in this earth. 
We're like Abraham. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so these people, uh, as it went along, I mean, uh, they, they were doing well for a period of time. But the Bible says that Joseph died and there arose a Pharaoh that didn't know who he was. That his legacy and reputation didn't mean anything to this new fella that came on the scene. And he suddenly realized that Israel could be a threat to him. They were multiplying. They were growing. And, and uh, he become fearful of that and said, we've got to do something about it to try uh, to bring constraints upon Israel so that they don't overthrow us. And they begin to rule us instead of us ruling them. And so he devises different plans. Of course, in every instance, God sees his people through. In every situation, God brings his people out on top, no matter what Pharaoh, or you could say Pharaoh being a type of the devil, no matter what the devil threw at them, God's people always diverged. Seems like the more he tried to stomp them down, the more the fires of growth and revival began to scatter across the land of Egypt. And the more he did to resist them, the more they multiplied, the Bible said. Amen. That's exactly the way that the church ought to be in the last day. I believe this is a perfect picture of what you and I are to become in this hour. The more the devil tries to stomp out people's relationship with God and their usefulness in the kingdom of God and the promises that God has for us, I believe with all of our heart we need to pursue them and we need to see God fulfill them in our lives. Amen. Praise God. We're serving a great God. He was just, he's just as great today as he was for the people of Israel all those many thousand years ago. And so you know the story of how that they were bombarded with plague after plague, ten of them entire, uh, in, in, in the entirety, ten plagues came against, and they just, it seems like one right after another bombarded uh, Egypt, and, and the more that that they came against uh, the, the people of Egypt and, and Pharaoh. The Bible says that he, his heart was hardened and he would uh, for a little while change his mind and decide he was going to let the folks go and, and then his heart would be hardened and he would determine that he wasn't going to let them go. And God continued to intensify these plagues. God has a way of getting our attention. God has a way of getting people that are obstinate attention and causing them to realize that they need to, to open up their heart to the will of God. And the ultimate will of God is something that God is interested in fulfilling, and I wouldn't be the one that is I wouldn't want to be the one that is standing in the way of it being fulfilled or resisting the will of God. Whether it be uh, in, in a church, whether it be in, in, a, in a revival setting, whether it be in a church service, uh, I want to get in the flow. I want to be a help to what God is doing. And I believe that the majority of us feel that way here tonight. But as you know, finally that, that plague uh, where the first Passover uh, was instituted and the firstborn of all of the families of Egypt, the firstborn son perished and died. That night as the death angel walked throughout the land of Egypt. And the next morning the Bible says uh, 
that every wall in the Egyptian home was a wailing wall as they grieved for their children. And Pharaoh, he thrust them out at this point. He told them to leave and get out of the land of Egypt. And the scripture says that they actually walked out rich, having plundered the riches of Egypt. They walked out. But even the more greater miracle as far as I'm concerned that you can read about in this story is that after all of these years of hard bondage and labor and being ruled with rigor, the scripture says that when they came out of Egypt, uh, there was not a feeble one among them. I want to tell you, when God gets ready to do something, we're not just going to crawl out. When God gets ready to deliver, it isn't like you're just going to scratch for existence. It isn't like you're just going to be some weak, fledgling little thing. But when God builds something, when God, amen, when he talks about his church, he doesn't talk about a weak church. He talks about a glorious church. I said he talks about a glory. He talks about a triumphant church. He talks about a conquering church. He talks about a strong church. I'm telling you, the church that God is coming back for is not one that's weak. It's not one that has been infiltrated by the devil. It's a church that is strong and stalwart and faithful and pure and given to God. Come on, if you believe that, you ought to give some praise unto the Lord right now. That's right. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible said he brought them out with a high hand. Oh, that's room for rejoicing right there. That, that's a reason all you need right there to sing. All you need right there to rejoice. All you need right there to praise God. Because when God delivers, he delivers full well. When God delivers, you can know with confidence that he's done it completely. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God proved himself to his people. And he brought them out with a high hand. And we know that immediately the fickle heart of Pharaoh is revealed again as he changes his mind. And he forms an army to chase down uh, the nation of Israel in the desert. And as they are confronted with the Red Sea on one side and the enemy, Egypt behind them, the armies of Pharaoh behind them. What to do? We don't know where to go. We're hemmed in. But God is going to show that he's in control. God is going to reveal once more that he has the power to completely deliver and that, that he has the ability to help his people in the tightest of places. And the scripture says that he, he told Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, there's a little contradiction, it seems like, if you don't really understand what is being said here. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then in the very next few verses or the next few uh, things that are said there from the Lord to Moses, it says, and go forward. Now, wait a minute. I thought you told me to stand still. And then you read just a little bit more and it says, and go forward. Well, that's not really a contradiction. You stand firm in your faith. You stand firm in your conviction. 
You stand firm in your belief in what God is able to do. You don't capitulate. You don't back up. Oh, you don't reverse anything. You hold the ground that you got. But when I give you the cue, I want you to move forward. If you move anywhere, don't move back. But always go forward. Stand firm in the confidence of the Word of God that I have given you. And in the end, you're going to progress. You're going to possess the land. You're going to go over into the promise of God. I'm going to reveal things to you. Just don't back up. Don't give in. Oh, don't, don't, don't allow anything to hinder you. Stay steadfast. Amen. Praise God. And so God proved himself. Amen. I want you to get that. He proved himself to the people of God. Prayers answered. I mean, one right after another. Again, there's, this book is chock full. This story is chock full of miracle after miracle. Shoes don't wear out. Hey Amen. I told you about my experience with my growing up years. My cousins, they, uh, many of them, uh, well, not many of them, but a few of them, sort of rich kids, you know, always had the name brand stuff. And uh, that was back in the day. When, I mean, uh, certain brands were just kind of coming out and getting notoriety. But my dad was a firm believer in a good deal. And uh, I don't know if they ever had any Anthony's stores down here in this part of the country. But they had Anthony's where I lived. And, and uh, they had a certain, you know, some stores they had their own brand. You, you know what I'm talking about. And they make them, and they design them, and they put little emblems on them to make them look pretty close. But you know anybody, I mean, especially young people at school age, they, they know the difference. And they're happy to point it out to you. And uh, so I had what they called fastback shoes. My dad, his little line about fastback shoes, he said, these right here make you jump high. Run fast, jump high, stop on a dime and give you nine cents chains. That was his little saying. I said, I don't care about nine cents chains. I want you to ante up and buy me some Nikes. But anyway, uh, first thing to go on them Nike, or on Nike. My God, I didn't even know what Nikes looked like. Uh, first thing to go on them fastback shoes was the bottoms of them. The bottoms of them, the treads of them would start peeling off. I don't know why it was. It was inevitable. I mean, the tops would still look good, and the, and the bottoms would start peeling off. I don't know if you got them wet or something, and the adhesion of the glue lost its adhesion, and it, it, they would peel off. And you talk about slick. And uh, we lived, at that period of my life, we lived in an area where it would get cold in the winter and there would be ice, and, and uh, you could skate with them fastback shoes. You try to play basketball on concrete, that was an ordeal. It was nearly dangerous. You could slide. Oh, you could slide. But uh, I was thankful to have shoes. I'm not sure where I was going at this point, but I knew I had a point when I started. There you go. The shoes didn't wear out. I don't know what they started with. I'm sure they didn't have name brand sandals back then, but they never wore out. 
Now, when I was growing up, I had some things and clothes and stuff that I was hoping that they would wear out. I had some suits of clothes that I wasn't so proud of that Mama would put me in, particularly some church clothes that I was hoping that would wear out or I would grow out of it. wasn't always so fortunate. But anyway, they, they had clothing that didn't tatter didn't grow torn or you know I mean there you you got you got to understand we're not talking about we're not talking about country that was that was comfortable and easy to 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 journey through we're talking about country that was rugged a wilderness thistles thorns we're talking about sharp rocks we're talking about a desert we're we're, we're talking about Extreme conditions here, but God kept all of those things. That that is a miracle. And you wonder if God can provide for you. You wonder if God can take care of you. Come on, if God can take care of those people for 40 years, He can surely take care of this church for four months. Come on, or a few weeks. He can surely take care of your family through this situation. God is going to take care of His people. God always has and God always will if we'll put our faith and our trust in Him. That's right. Amen. That, that's not all. I mean, uh, you, you think about it. They, they're on and on and on. Anything that they desired of the Lord, it seemed like God would try to accommodate them. He proves Himself to them. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. He's a provider. He's a protector. The way he designed things in the wilderness. He, he put a, a cloud by day because of the hot searing sun of the desert to protect them. And then at night, of course, the conditions are just the opposite. It gets so cold. And so he places a, a pillar of fire there so they can have heat and they can be sustained. There's wild beasts out there and all kinds of things, but God keeps them and they're not consumed by those things. Many times there were places where they were led through and the Bible says that he took them through on a highway, a particular way, and, and, and God directed them around the enemy. When the enemy wanted to, to come in and cut off the, uh, the flow of where God wanted the people of of the Lord to go, uh, they they were given direction to to circumvent the attack of the enemy. God is always watching out for these people. He has proved Himself to these people. And as they transition towards the Promised Land, there's some things that God wants to see from them. He wants to know. I've proven myself to you that I'm a God that answers prayers. I'm a miracle worker. I'm able to do whatever you need me to do. I'm going to be there for you. I have proven that I'm going to be there for you. Now I want you to prove some things to me. I want you to prove your commitment to me. I want you to prove your level of consecration to me. I want you to prove the strength of your convictions to me before I promote you to the next level, before I take you into the promised land. You're not going to get there without being proven, without your faith being tested. I want to tell you there's some things that you cannot receive from God without there being a proven ground. 
Somebody said, well, I want to be anointed. Well, God doesn't dish out anointing to people that would abuse his anointing. God doesn't use folks that, you know, that, that, is, that is so much how we want to do it. We're, we, we in our humanity, we want to use the things of God, but God has it just the other way. He wants to use us to accomplish his goals and to further his kingdom. And until we can submit to that and surrender our hearts to that, we'll never be able to really, really see the work of God go forward until we have proven our level of commitment. Hallelujah. He wanted to prove them. And three times I read here in the scripture that he did things to prove them. First of all, in Exodus 14 and 15, they came out of Egypt and they were three days in the wilderness without water. Now that is amazing within itself. I've never went three days without water. I I don't think I want to ever go. I've went three days without food. That was horrible enough. As a matter of fact, I've went a few days beyond that and, and it doesn't get easier. Somebody said, oh, yeah, when you break through three days, uh, you know, it's a breeze from there. It's not a breeze, folks. (laughs) There's new challenges along the way. And as I have told you before, just like I was saying this morning, that your senses, senses that, you know, when you're not able to eat food and use your sense of taste, then your sense of smell is just going off like crazy. You could smell bread bacon from five miles away. You could smell, I mean, you know, I, I remember as a, as a teenage boy uh, my uh, doing some fast and my grandmother lived next door and we were talking about the other day. I mean, uh, she, she was a cook extraordinaire. She, she made homemade cinnamon rolls. It seemed like every week there was... Two or three times a week, cinnamon rolls, pies, always had a pie, a cake, uh, two or three course meal, just about every meal, and she could cook for an army, and uh, this, this wouldn't even, it made it look so easy. I mean, just an extraordinary cook. She could make meringue on top of them pies, stick up like that. I mean, it was just awesome. And, uh, you know, you go on a fast, and you got her living next door. It makes it rough. I mean, you could smell, I wonder if that's a, I wonder if that's an apple pie or cherry pie over there that she's got going on. I wonder if that's a chocolate cake or, or, or maybe it's an Italian cream cake. I, boy, you know, your mind just gets to working on you and, and, and all of that. Uh, well, I, I'm telling you, everything that these people needed, everything that they desired, God supplied. But here they were three days out in the wilderness and they had not received water to drink. That's an extraordinary thing. And when they came upon this pool or what have you that was called Mara, which means bitter, they begin to endeavor to drink. Now they're thirsty. And so you know that they're doing their best uh, to, 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 to get it down. But after they'd got enough to satiate their or to satisfy their thirst, the scripture tells us that they begin to murmur and complain and tell Moses how bitter it was. And the Bible says that this happened and God was watching this instance for a reason. He did it to prove them. And so really 
how it relates to you and I is how do we handle it? He wanted to know how they were going to handle the bitter experiences of life. I mean, they just came through one of the greatest uh, deliverances, one of the greatest experiences of being being delivered from their taskmasters and and now they're free and and God has supplied and God has worked and God is doing so many great things and this is the real really the test is is this is the first downward turn in momentum that they've had thus far how are you going to handle it I mean everything has went so good it's just been so easy and everything's been so great but how are you going to take a bitter experience in life Something that don't, it's hard to swallow. It's its something that is not satisfying. It's not the way you planned it to be. Death or a disappointment or a letdown of some kind. And God is watching. He wants to see. Are you going to let this bitter experience define you? Are you going to let this situation, are you going to allow it to become such a, an ordeal in your life that you never overcome it? And you never have faith. To believe God for greater things. You know, some by their own choosing never overcome a bitter experience in their life. They are defined by that moment. I've heard people talk about certain instances in their life. And, and you know, they talk about it and they describe it with such detail that you would think that it happened two weeks ago. And to come to find out it happened 25 years ago. This happened to me. And they can describe it in detail like it happened yesterday. Uh, It reminds me of the story when Naomi and her husband went down to Moab. And once they were there, the scripture says that in the land of Moab, during the period that they were there, her two sons died and her husband died. And she makes up her mind, i got to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, which she should have never left in the first place. And as she's making her way back, somebody looks out and sees her coming and says, is that Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra. Call me bitter. That's this experience, this letdown, this disappointment is defining me for the rest of my life. It's never going to change. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to end like this. You can make up your mind that from this moment forward, I may have had a letdown and a bad experience and there may be some bitterness in my path, but I'm not going to live sulking about what happened then. I'm going to believe God that the greatest days are before me. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord and say, God, I embrace that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Moses prayed about it, and God revealed to him something that was already there all along. When he looked over there, there was a tree that he hadn't even noticed before. And the Lord instructed him to take that tree. I don't know how mature the tree was, how old the tree was, but obviously it had been planted there or uh, by nature planted there and it matured to whatever point it was. And when he took the tree and cast it in the water, the Bible said the waters were healed and they became sweet and they became a refreshing place where people could take drink and and be sustained and the thirst could be quenched. I want to tell you, God has a plan in mind. It may seem like a bitter experience. But God can turn that situation around and you can see that he is a miracle worker, that he can turn bitter situations and experiences in your life totally around and bring them out for his glory and you can have a testimony. 
Isn't that amazing that that tree was already there? God knew. And in the, in, in the, in the, the ability of God to look ahead and, and being omniscient as he is, he sees and he knows and he's already got a plan to take care of the bitter experiences in our life. I'm telling you, before you ever arrived at that disappointment, God had a plan for you to be healed and to overcome that disappointment in your life. Don't let that define you. Don't don't call yourself Mara. Don't don't say no. I'll never get back to what I was or what I used to be. No, you can go beyond that. You can be greater than that. You can overcome that. Don't let a letdown define your life forever. Hallelujah. Don't let some mistake or failure in your past define your life forever. Make up your I'm getting up from this. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. I'm going back to eat of the bread and the blessings of God again. I'm not going to live in bitterness anymore. Hallelujah. They got so focused on this bitter experience in Mar that it wasn't just, I mean, one, what, two verses later, verse 20, it says that they came to Elam where there was all of these palm trees and these luscious wells that were there. And they were sweet. And, and they said, you know, this is a good place to camp. And though they complained and murmured at Mara or at, at those bitter wells of water, I never find that when they got to Elam that they rejoiced or they praised God. I'm going to tell you, we, we, we a lot of times we complain about the bad things and we fail to praise for the good things. Oh, don't get down about Mara. Amen. Because Elam's coming. And when you get to Elam, you ought to have enough sense to say, God, you're looking out for me. God, you've been good to me. God, you have blessed me. You've kept me. you provided for me. Come on. God has given us Elam to drink from. We ought to praise him for. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. I think we ought to just take just a few moments right here and praise God. Give Him thanks for Come on, God's watching us. Are you going to worship me when I lead you into Elam? It's... I'm going to bring you to Elam, but I want to see how you handle the bad experience. I want to, I want to see how you handle the bitter disappointment in your life. Are you still going to trust me? Are you going to put your faith in me? Are you going to, are you going to get down in the mouth and grumble and complain about it? Are you going to look towards me and know that if I brought you out of Egypt, I didn't bring you to perish. I brought you out to bless you and to give you promises. Oh, somebody give him a wave offering right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody feel like praising him? I said, does anybody feel like praising him tonight? Anybody feel? He's brought us through some bitter places. Oh, we didn't plan on a pandemic. We didn't plan on coronavirus. We didn't plan on the disappointments that we've had to face of late. But God's going to bring us out, church, to Elam. And when we get there, we're going to praise him and worship him for the victory. 
As we gather around this front, I think we ought to just take a few moments and worship the Lord. I think we ought to just take a few moments and give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight, you can get the Holy Ghost. If you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost, you can get a renewing in the Holy Ghost. If you need a breakthrough and a miracle tonight, you can get it. God has not brought you to this place to leave you or forsake you, but He has something very specific in mind for you. There's a plan for your life. God's not forsaken you, but God has you at the forefront of His mind. That's why He's brought you to where you are right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, don't let the bitter experiences of life define you and live with you for the rest of your day. Shake that off. Make up your mind. I'm going forward in God. As they begin to worship and sing, I want you to stretch forth your faith to God right now. I want you to believe the Lord. I want you to trust in the Lord. I want you to put your faith and confidence in the Lord. God is able to restore. God is able to give hope. God is able to bring out. God is able to change the bitter experience into something sweet, into something wonderful again. Let Him heal the bitter waters and bitter experiences of your life. Let Him help you with those areas of your life that you feel so defeated in, that you feel are are such a blight upon your past. God is able. God is able to do it. Let's praise him. kind of awkward with these Pentecostal altar services during the COVID-19 situation. But you know what? We can pray with our families. There's no stipulation against that. And I think it'd be good right now. God has brought our families through some things. Matter of fact, I know of some victories. Even in the midst of this whatever, God has given some victories and some prayers have been answered and some things have been fulfilled. So I'm asking you, if at all possible, find family members in your immediate family. And I want you to gather them up. And we're going we're gonna to praise the Lord together before we leave here. We're going to praise the Lord together before we leave. And as we get going here, we get a little traction here. If you guys want to go down and worship with your family, you can.